Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zoraris, and on today's show, we're going to talk Rangers hockey for the first time in a couple months, finally starting to piece together some thoughts, going to have some content. Ranger-centric content starts to trickle out now, some season preview stuff as we get the preseason rolling, as they start to cut down the roster. We already seem to have a pretty good feel of what their regular lineup is going to look like come opening night, but before I get to today's show do have to remind everyone to help support the show a couple ways to do that number one subscribe to the show whatever podcasting platform you prefer spotify soundcloud google play stitcher all the major platforms we're there after that if you see the show on social media whether it be twitter facebook instagram snapchat whatever gonna try and get some tiktok stuff going i know i'm an old man saying that but we gotta try and get some stuff going over there signal boost retweet like, share, whatever, interact with it, help other people find it. That's the good stuff. That helps me as a content creator if other people can find my work. Lastly, if you use an Apple device because Apple controls the universe, please, please leave, leave the show a review. Go to the show's page, go past our recent episodes once you've subscribed. Down at the bottom, there are going to be five purple stars that are clear. Hit the one furthest to the right. That's a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says, write a review. Do that for every podcast you enjoy, not just this one. That helps your content creators. The more reviews you have, the easier it is for us to show our work off to potential employers and advertisers. Makes it easier for us to do a better job. That's my spiel. You guys know it by now if you're a regular listener. It's more or less the same thing, but content creators work very hard to be able to put enjoyable and informative content out there. I'm no exception. I bust my ass, and that's why occasionally I won't have an episode because there's just nothing I feel the need to pressingly talk about. But today, I I thought about it for a while today because I was sitting around thinking, what do I want to write about? I haven't written anything hockey in a couple weeks. I've been mostly writing about football because the NFL season got rolling and the Giants are a car fire. If you listen to yesterday's episode, the week three review episode, I spent a solid five minutes yelling into the microphone about why the Giants are such a disgrace. I wrote about that last week, and then it finally manifested itself on the podcast. I will get another Giants fan on here so we can kind of vent to one another and try and figure out where the team goes from here, but should have a blog, Rangers blog, about Gerard Gallant, the subject of today's episode, going up sometime during the course of this week, maybe on Wednesday, but not if not Wednesday, definitely by Thursday. So, with all that said, I won't talk too much in the introduction. See you guys in one second. And with that, we will get on into it. So, the last you heard from me about the Rangers was around the NHL draft in mid-July, early July. After the season was over... The Rangers were poised to make a big, splashy move. They were supposed to be getting Jack Eichel. They were supposed to be figuring out the rest of their lineup, resolving some lingering contract issues, getting a coach to replace David Quinn. And so far, all they did was get a coach to replace David Quinn and Gerard Gallant. Last we saw of Gallant, he was the coach for the Vegas Golden Knights, running one of the fastest tempo teams in the league. His last full season there, they were the fourth most... They were the team that created the fourth most scoring chances 
per 60 minutes of any team in the league, meaning they were constantly on offense, constantly putting pressure on the other team. And anybody who watched Vegas under Gallant knows what I'm talking about, that constant, never-ending wave of offensive pressure where every single time the Vegas defenseman would get the puck up the ice, Vegas would be on the rush, immediately trying to create off of the rush. I would like to see the Rangers try to get back to that because last year they slowed their play down through the neutral zone at the sake of trying to be more organized in the offensive zone, and it led to no additional offense. And I know I spent a significant amount of time during last year's hockey season when I was talking about the Rangers bemoaning their lack of an ability to create through sustained pressure as opposed to off of the rush. But let's start with one thing. If the Rangers can score off of the rush where they get into the zone quickly and they're able to put pressure and they have a numbers advantage, that's always preferable. You would like to do that. Just pure numbers advantage, have four guys entering the zone against three or two defenders, whatever. That's what you would like. But of course, there are teams who are going to be able to regroup and get back defensively faster, and you're not always going to have a numbers advantage. And that is going to be the one of the major keys for Gallant and the, the foundational point for this episode The Rangers, under David Quinn, were disorganized, overwhelmed, mentally soft, unable to overcome adversity, easy to fall out of games early in games and then spend the last 50 minutes of the game just kind of being there. If the Rangers are going to make meaningful progress, and that means qualifying for the postseason, it's going to come down to the coach. Because let's be honest, the big offseason move didn't come. There is no Jack Eichel, there is no Alexander Barkov, there is no additional top six forward here. There's one less top six forward, Pavel Buchnevich is a St. Louis Blue, Ryan Reeves is a Ranger, Sammy Blay is a Ranger, Barkley Goudreau is a Ranger, Patrick Nemeth is a Ranger. Those guys' impacts combined do not equal Jack Eichel. Those guys' impacts combined don't equal Buchnevich. And that tells me a few things. Number one, it tells me the front office believes that the biggest inhibitor of success last season was David Quinn. And I don't disagree. I think David Quinn was a pretty piss-poor NHL coach. There have been droplets in the news, a a very thin crumb trail through the news. I know Larry Brooks has written very sparingly about it. Rick Carpinello has written very sparingly about it because they're in the club and they don't want to throw, you know, Quinn, who's in the club, under the bus. But the very passive-aggressive comments about Quinn just letting the players do whatever they want because he didn't want to upset anyone, not really having a good feel for what the team needed, passive-aggressively complaining about the team to the media instead of getting the changes he wanted one way or another. And... All I'm going to say about David Quinn is I was right. You heard me talk about it on the show. You saw me write about it for the better part of the last two seasons that he was very clearly not the guy. The Rangers were not a very resilient team. They did not handle pressure well. And when they fell behind in games, aside from the occasional miracle, they were dead men walking for the final 40, 50 minutes of a game. They weren't coming from behind, aside from the occasional miracle. They were constantly playing from behind. They were constantly struggling to find that one goal they needed late in games because he didn't have good systems for them. He was trying to get players to rigidly play a style, irregardless of the style that player has. When you are trying to force players into a system as opposed to using a style conducive to your talent, you're going to have a hard time. It is one of those things that 
drives me nuts as a media person, as a fan. If me watching at home on the television can see you are trying to get someone to do something they are not good at and they don't do well at it and you're complaining about it, that's on you, coach. If you can't get the desired results out of your players, you're the one in the locker room passive-aggressively telling Larry Brooks on Zoom that I don't like how we were playing. We didn't play north-south enough. Yeah, that's my David Quinn impression, that horse-ass voice like I have a stuffy nose. I didn't like how we weren't playing north-south enough. Well, coach, you're in charge of the team. If they're not listening to you, get them to buy into what you're doing or you shouldn't have had the job. And it's pretty clear he shouldn't have had the job. I said more than once last year during the season on this podcast, if you want to get going in the right direction, fire Quinn in season, bring in Gerard Gallant, and get the ball rolling on next year so you know what Gallant wants out of the guys who are already here. The Rangers stubbornly waited till the end of the season, lost their best two-way forward in Buchnevich, added situational role players, and this is one of those things I'm just never going to come around on. There's a reason baseball is baseball and hockey is hockey. You cannot build a hockey lineup the same way you build a baseball lineup where you can have a platoon guy, you can have a defensive specialist, you can have a speed specialist. You can't have that in hockey. If you put someone who is just good at skating out there, they're not going to be able to positively impact the game. If you put someone out there who is just good at shooting but can't skate, like a Brandon Peary, they're not going to be able to hang around at that pace for that long. That is one of the reasons I'm very very frustrated with the offseason and why it's going to come down to Gallant as opposed to the talent because the moves they made aren't going to make the team better in terms of results. Sure, Ryan Reeves might fight a couple people. Barkley Goudreau might throw some checks. Nemeth is better than anyone they had on the third pair last season. But, hey, I'm not Chris Drury. I think I might be smarter than Chris Drury, but that's also because I listen to people other than myself and I read other people's work and I don't just think I have all the answers. But trying to build a hockey team like a baseball team isn't practical. And when you look at some of the teams that have won the cups in re- the cup in recent years, Tampa Bay didn't have a face-off specialist fourth-line center. They just didn't. Like, point blank. They didn't have a face-off specialist fourth-line center. They didn't have a guy who was specifically there just to punch people. Yeah, they have Barkley Goudreau because he was retrieving pucks for Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman. On this line, with Heedle and with Vitaly Kratsov is what it looks like it's going to be out of the gate here. You're going to have to... You're going to have to have total buy-in from the kids. And I said this a lot last year. I've written in this ad nauseum. The Rangers' success as a team going forward is going to come down to talent development. Whether Lafreniere, Kako, Fox is already great, but Fox, Keandre Miller, Nils Lundqvist, the Morgan Barons of the world, the William the William Cullies of the world, the bottom the bottom six guys they've been drafting over the years trying to build up the bottom, Zach Jones, Shesterkin. It's going to come down to if those guys are good or not. Because the veterans you have in place, you got Panarin, you know what you're getting out of him. Zabinajad, you you think you know what you're going to get out of him. Kreider, etc. Those guys are good, 
there is a reason those guys have not won anything in their careers at the NHL level because they're not the Connor McDavid, Patrice Bergeron level of talent where they're able to carry the team on their backs the way an elite player would. Make no mistake, Panarin is one of the special players in the NHL. He's just not McDavid good. He's not a center. He's not going to kill penalties. He's not going to carry a team on his back in the same way that McDavid is able to. And yes, it helps that McDavid is in an easier division, easier opponents to beat up on, but I digress. You need Gallant to push these kids in the right direction. And one of the things I've come around on, I talked about it mid, I believe, June, when I had Josh Califin on the show. I've come to terms with the fact the Rangers likely aren't winning anything in the next two or three years. And when I say winning anything, I mean a conference or a Stanley Cup. You win, the, you win a playoff round, two, maybe, terrific. You're still not better than Tampa. You're not better than Toronto. You're probably not better than Carolina. You're probably not better than the Islanders. You've made some questionable decisions. You've emphasized intangibles over tangibles. And it's one of the reasons I get so frustrated. But in a vacuum, is having like the 14th or 15th best coach in the league is going to impact games on a night-to-night basis that much more than having the 28th or 29th best head coach like David Quinn was. That's what we're going to see this year because, generally speaking, this year's roster is less talented than last year's. And I know I'm saying that. I, I know every time I say that, I get a couple of well-actuallys in the replies who are like, well, what about Kako? And what about Lafreniere? And what about Kratsov? And what about Lundqvist? You don't know what those guys are going to give you yet. Sure, those guys should be better than they were last year, but there is no way of knowing that for sure, and it is why I'm so reluctant to just pencil the Rangers into a playoff spot. You need these young guys to feel it. You need these young guys to come in here and play like they were billed. Lafreniere had an okay rookie season. He wasn't nearly as bad as Kako's rookie season, where Kako was objectively the worst two-way player in the NHL, where every single time he was on the ice, the Rangers were constantly pinned in their own zone. But neither of them had the counting stats, the goals and the assists. And part of that stems from a lack of team offense, where the Rangers just could not sustainably create offense, and it led to those goal-scoring droughts where they had a terrible record in one-goal games. They were, I believe, eight games under 500 in one-goal games because they could not consistently create offense. And that's the key here. We need those guys, the guys you drafted in the top 10, the guys you drafted in the first round. You need all of them to be better. Because if this season is going to come down to the margins, the margins aren't good on the Rangers. The Barkley Goudreau, the the Barkley Goudreaus of the world, the fourth line, whether whether it be Morgan Barron, Reeves, Sammy Blay, Kevin Rooney, whatever, those margins aren't going to be good enough against good teams that have four lines. And that is what I keep trying to tell everybody who will listen. It's great the Rangers have a good top six. It does seem like Capococco is going to get a crack to start the season with Strom and Panarin. That's terrific. He should have been doing that last year, ironing it out in a season when the results didn't matter, when you weren't expected to make the playoffs, where you weren't expected to do that much because you needed to figure out whether or not he could do that. Now you don't have a choice. If you want to be successful, the guy playing second line right wing has to be good. He can't just be okay. He has to be actively good and complement what Panarin and Strom are doing out there. That is one of the things I need to see here. 
I need to see progress. I need to see Taco playing with confidence, playing with his head up in the offensive zone. I talk about it every single time I talk about Kako here on the show. Anytime he is not shooting the puck, I don't trust him to make the right play with the puck because he's not looking to incorporate his teammates in the offensive zone. He is still holding on to the puck too long. He's still firing shots from wherever he is on the ice. Until he improves his vision, he's never going to be able to stick on that line because Panarin's going to go to Gallant like he did to David Quinn and say, no, I can't do this. I need the puck on my stick. Having him out there is taking the puck away from me. Give me someone else. That's what's going to happen. And... It sucks that it works like that, but Kako needs to get a better sense of his teammates on the ice and being able to incorporate them more. Again, this comes back to getting your players to buy in, and one of the reasons I think David Quinn had such a hard time in New York, he didn't get anyone to buy into what he was trying to do. He just let the players do whatever they wanted, and it manifested itself more than once. I talk about it all the time. They let Tony D'Angelo do whatever he did for wanted for two and a half seasons, and then finally you told him, all right, last straw, and he didn't take you seriously because he did whatever he wanted for two straight seasons, and then when he acted out again and you finally cut him, you just wasted four and a half million dollars for an entire season, and you didn't get him anything for him. You just had to let him go, and now he's on Carolina. That's the kind of shit I'm talking about here. When you let players do whatever they want, play outside of structure, be disorganized, it leads to two things. Number one, Poor on-ice results. Check. Number two, it leads to a bad locker room. Check. Rangers have had two pretty bad locker room incidents over the last two seasons. The Leah Sanderson bullying story, which nobody in the New York media ever did any digging into. They just took the Rangers at their word that everything was fine because John Davidson said it was fine. And then D'Angelo mouthing off after he fucked up after he fucked up and getting cracked in the mouth for being a douche. Yeah, you think maybe that David Quinn could have gotten a handle on things before it got to that point where D'Angelo felt emboldened enough to consistently be a wise ass after bad games? I can promise that wasn't the first time he said a smart ass comment to one of his teammates after a loss. If you had a good handle on the room, David Quinn, you would have been okay with that. You would have figured it out. You would have gotten him under control, or you would have told your general manager, I can't play with him. Instead, you let him do whatever he wanted, and then it blew up in your face, and you looked like a dumbass. That's the legacy I have, and the memory I have of David Quinn, is being a Ben McAdoo-type dumbass, where he just never seemed to be comfortable with his job. He didn't want to discipline any of the players who had some pull. He never benched Abinijad for playing poorly. He never benches Kreider for playing poorly. Kako, though, because Kako barely speaks English and he's 19, whipping boy. Buchnevich doesn't really speak a ton of English. Not a straight-line North American hockey player. Whipping boy. That's the kind of shit that embarrassed me and made me painfully frustrated with David Quinn. Now, I have a little bit of hope. I wrote about it like two days after they hired Gallant. Gallant is the guy I wanted out of all the candidates that were out there, unless Bruce Cassidy got fired from Boston or Mike Sullivan got fired from Pittsburgh. Gallant's who I wanted. He's going to let these guys play, and that is my hope. I think his fascination with Ryan Reeves is dumb. It annoys me that no reporter will call him on the fact that Ryan Reeves got healthy scratch during the playoffs each of the last two seasons. It bothers me that they're pretending Ryan Reeves is good at hockey 
and that he's not just a dirty player that punches faces and hurts people. Like, sure, he gives you good quotes, and sure, he's probably a good teammate. He's a dirty hockey player. I don't want a dirty hockey player on my team because he's going to take stupid penalties and he's going to cost the team games. It's not that fucking complicated. You can get away with dressing a Tom Wilson because he's good at hockey, too. Yeah, he's a piece of shit, but the Capitals tolerate that he's a piece of shit because he's good at hockey. Ryan Reeves is just a piece of shit. He's not good at hockey at all. At all. That is one thing I don't think I'll ever be able to understand Gallant on, even if things do go well for the Rangers here. You could just play a real hockey player. You could play a Morgan Barron. You could play Tim Gettinger, who's been in the AHL. You could play Drayden Hunt, the guy they signed in free agency. That would be fine. Playing Reeves situationally, sparingly, depending on the opponent, I'm fine with that. You want to play him against Washington, the Islanders, so he can fight Matt Martin, so he can fight Tom Wilson? Sure, whatever. If he's dressing in important games against teams like Carolina, against Pittsburgh, against Washington, then we're going to... Well, I can't even say Washington because they do have Wilson, but you get what I'm saying here. I would rather have someone who can actually play hockey in the lineup in an important game in April if there's a playoff spot in the line, as opposed to Reeves who's going to play eight minutes and maybe take a five-minute major for trying to kill someone out there. That is my frustration on the one thing I'm genuinely worried about. Otherwise... I think Gallant will do what he says he's going to do. He's got to get the guys to buy in, and I think he has the personality to do that. He has said repeatedly during this training camp and some of his media availabilities that I treat everybody the same. I just want to be one of the guys. I played in the league a long time. I'm just the 19th, 20th guy on the roster. I want this room to be healthy. And I know the Rangers are doing this They are actively trying to do a marketing campaign about naming a captain, whether it be Truba, Kreider, or Zabinijad. I still don't think any of them is captain material, I'll be honest with you. They've all been here a few years now. Truba never really rung out as a leader. Kreider is a quiet person. Zabinijad is a pending unrestricted free agent. I'm good on all of them. Truba was here last year when the season spiraled out of control. I'm good on him. I don't need a captain just to name a captain. And that's what it appears the Rangers are doing with the captaincy, where they are doing it to be as part of, well, we're building this foundation. I mean, it's all over their marketing material to buy season tickets, get in on the ground floor for what we're building here. Well, if we're building something, we got to have a captain. We got to have a captain because the fans want a captain so we can sell tickets. None of those guys is captain material. I've said it for a while now. Wait till Fox is older, wait till Lafreniere is older, or bring in a captain from outside the organization. Jack Eichel, hello, go get him. But, I digress. Only going to do another five minutes or so, I promise. I I don't want to yell too much about the Rangers. I will do a thorough season preview episode at some point in the next week or so as we build towards the regular season, which is still a couple weeks away. Rangers home opener, I believe, is the 14th of October. Their first game is, I believe, the 8th or the 9th against the Capitals in Washington. (sighs) Man, I'm trying not to get angry talking about talking about the Rangers before the season even starts, but I'm slowly losing my mind because we're at that dead point where all there is to do in the hockey space is argue because there are no games that matter because we still don't know what the full roster is going to be like. We still don't know what Galant's coaching style is going to be like in-game with this group of talent. And 
I don't want to get too mad. I don't want to go in with too high of expectations. I'm setting my expectations low. I'm pretty confident the Rangers are going to miss the playoffs. Their bottom six is still a really big question mark, and that is a problem. Do you think the defense will be slightly better now that they're going to ice two good defensemen on the third pair as opposed to Jack Johnson or Brendan Smith or Tony D'Angelo or Tony Potato or God knows who else they were dressed games for. Tyler Moranen got a couple games last year and was thrown to the wolves because he was playing with a bad partner. I just want to see progress. That is what I want. I want to see progress. I want to see Lafreniere playing in the top six. I want to see Kako playing in the top six. I want both of them getting power play time. I want to see progress. We had three years of spinning our tires in the mud and waiting for David Quinn to get a clue. I've had enough of waiting for things to figure out now. I want to see progress. There is talent on this roster. Sabinajad... Panarin, Fox, that is a good three. Shosturkin has given you good work in 60-ish NHL games. You have talent on this team. I want to see the Rangers playing consistently. I don't want them getting too high. I don't want them getting too low. I want the team to have confidence. I want the coach to believe in them, and I want them to believe in the coach. I never felt David Quinn believed in his talent because he was constantly complaining about it. I think Gerard Gallant genuinely views himself as just a player who happens to be a lot older and doesn't play, as opposed to what David Quinn was, which was whiny, complainy, and then behind the scenes not actually doing anything to get what he wanted. He was just letting the players do whatever they wanted, and it manifested in some very inconsistent play. If... If, if, Kako, Lafreniere, Krasov, Lundqvist, Keandre Miller all play well, the Rangers could easily be a playoff team. Easily, easily. Because then if Lundqvist plays well, you're going to have three good defensive pairs, and then your top six should be good, and then your third line should at least be decent. If Krasov plays well, I think Heedle's finally going to be ready for a good full season if he can stay healthy. They'll be able to carry Goudreau to some okay results at 5-on-5. I don't think they'll be able to do it as well as Coleman and Yanni Gord did because I don't think Kittle is as good as Yanni Gord, and I don't think Krasov is as good as Blake Coleman, but I think they will be able to drag Goudreau to decent results. Remember, Barkley Goudreau was a fourth-line player in San Jose. He was a luxury third-line player in Tampa because they had good players to complement that. We don't know if Hedl and Kraftsov are going to be good enough to complement what Goudreau is good at. That is why I was so against the Goudreau extension when it was announced and why I'm still kind of like, why is everybody just kind of penciling Barkley Goudreau in to be good again when he was only really good because he was playing nine minutes a game in San Jose or playing with Blake Coleman and Yanni Gord who are both really good hockey players? Guys who would have been in the top six on other teams, like Blake Coleman was playing second-line minutes on the Devils when he got traded, and Yanni Gord is going to be the first or second-line center on the Seattle Kraken. I mean, Heedle is not a first-line center on any team in the league, and Kraftsov is not getting $5.5 million a year, $6.5 million a year, whatever Blake Coleman got on the open market. He's just not. Now, those guys can get to that level. I don't expect it to happen this season. But, 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 like I said before, 
I'm not expecting much this year, next year, the year after that. I'm expecting the Rangers to get into the mix. Make the playoffs next year. Be decent. Be competitive. Maybe win a round or so. That kind of thing. But I'm not going in with high expectations, and I think that'll help me enjoy the season a little bit more. I will try to be less negative because I know that's what every single Ranger fan always tells me. I'm too negative. Don't you want to have fun? I'm not being negative. I'm just telling you the truth. Ryan Reeves is not good at hockey. Sammy Blay is not good at hockey. Barkley Goudreau was good at hockey in a very limited role. That's all I'm saying. I'm not telling. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm telling you what the facts say. That's 29 minutes of Rangers talk. I think that'll just about do it for today's episode. I don't want to go too long, too long talking about the coach, because. We have plenty of time for a full preview episode down the road, but this has been on my mind for a few days. I wanted to articulate it properly, give you guys an idea of where a logic-based Ranger fan would be going into this season. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, the Wednesday episode. Tomorrow, we will probably do college football, and then Friday will be NFL football. I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.